Hello and welcome to Produce Talks, the CPMA podcast. On this episode, we head back to the Learning Lounge in Montreal for a session on food loss and waste. Mike Ecker from Vineland Growers sits down with our panelists, Dr. Martin Gooch from Value Chain Management International, Scott Ross from the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, and Dan Martin from Earthfresh as they talk about food loss and waste and how it is becoming increasingly important for consumers, for society, and for the bottom line of businesses across the supply chain. Dan Martin, I'm the Chief Operating Officer for Earthfresh Foods. We're a potato grower, shipper, packer out of Ontario with farms in uh, Ontario, uh, Prince Edward Island, and soon to be our new location in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm Scott Ross. I'm Assistant Executive Director with the Canadian Federation of Agriculture uh, based out of Ottawa. Uh, I've been with the organization about eight years and we're an umbrella organization representing all Canadian farmers, all commodities from across the country and uh, act as the national unified voice for this sector uh, in working with federal government on a variety of different issues ranging from uh, labor issues, the national food policy to issues like food waste as well. Uh, Martin Gooch, CEO and co-founder of Value Chain Management International, uh, uh, by hence the name, um, we're in the UK, Australia and uh, here in Canada, uh, working develop, developing countries and I personally have been working in the area of how do you extract waste from the supply chain or value chain, whatever you want to call it, for now close to two decades, starting in Australia. Great guys. Um, first question is to the whole group. Um, food loss and waste is a topic that is increasingly in the media, on government agendas, in social media, and embedded in corporate planning. Could each of you speak to what you and your organization is focused on regarding food loss and waste? Maybe start with Dan at that end. Sure, sure. At Earth, at Earthfresh, we pride ourselves on being an industry leader. Uh, industry leader. Um, we introduced in the North American market light blocking technology in our packaging. So what it does is it not only protects the potato from the light that you know, causes the potato to break down quicker, turn green, is it helps uh, improve the eating experience for the product. So both ourselves and our retailers experience extended shelf life on our product, uh, better eating experience and better quality product. Closer? Yeah, okay. I, I think uh, the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, from our perspective, when we look at food waste, it's uh, a very multifaceted issue from our perspective. There's a few different angles through which we engage on food waste. I think first and foremost, when we look at work uh, like Martin uh, has done that quantifies some of the opportunities, uh, there's a few different aspects to it from our perspective that we would like to kind of continue working on. First and foremost, I think, is the issue of uh, food security. We're looking at a, a global population that continues to increase. We're expecting 10 billion people by 2050. And when you're looking at ways of increasing the amount of food available uh, to uh, the global population, uh, while simultaneously identifying a bunch of efficiencies that growers can, can benefit from, uh, that's really one of the primary areas we'd like to see uh, pursued further. So what we've been doing is really trying to spur discussion. One of the benefits of our organization is uh, we cross all commodities. So when we see a sector like the fresh produce industry that's really tackling this issue head on, uh, I think one of the opportunities for the Canadian Federation of Agriculture is to 
sort of break down some of the silos we see across commodities typically and look at who's doing what, what are the best practices that are out there and sharing that message. And I think the other really important facet of this to us is Canadians care about food waste. We see that increasingly day to day. And as a sector that's increasingly distanced from the uh, end consumer, I think this is an important opportunity for us as an industry to really engage Canadians on a topic they care about and, and explain aspects of our industry. Because I think food waste at a really high level is a, uh, there's some staggering numbers that I think we're going to touch on a little later here. But more than anything, it gives us an opportunity to speak to some of the realities and challenges the sector faces and engage Canadians on that from an angle that they can uh, appreciate and engage upon. Uh, for us, it's all about dollars and cents. It's all about the money. Um, you've incurred all, all your costs as a business. Um, the question we, we often start with when we talk to a, 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 whoever it is, whether it be Earthfresh, Vineland, Growers, whoever, how many products do you have to sell for, to make even break even on every unit that goes to waste? And it can be a staggering number. So for us, it's all about dollars and cents. Um, with food loss and waste never occurs in isolation. So it's a symptom, uh, an indication of ineffective operations that can be improved. And often that can be done in a matter of days. In fact, at times it can be done within a day to really significantly measure, measurably get more money, make more money. Great, thanks. Great, thanks guys. Um, we'll touch on some of those uh, numbers now. Uh, the second question, goal number two of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals is zero hunger. This goal references a staggering stat, which is that over one-third of the world's food is wasted. Staggering number. In your experience, what would you say that is reflected in your industry experience and if so, what are you seeing in terms of how the industry is reacting to this? Start with Martin. From my experience, the produce industry has accepted higher levels of waste than other sectors because we've come to the issue, we've, we've grown up with this perception that it's perishable and therefore there's going to be waste. What we don't do is take a step back and ask why that is occurring and how could we address it. And that's one of the reasons that margins in the industry are so slim, because there's such high unnecessary costs. Um, to give you, well, Dan's going to speak about the, the Earthfresh example, but the opportunity is because you've already, already incurred all the costs, everything you save goes straight to the bottom line. So the benefits, the opportunities can be dramatic. Sure, and I think uh, just building on that, I think when we look at that one-third number, uh, it's certainly, it's a staggering number for sure, but I think when you look at the complexity of agri-food distribution channels and the number of people involved in getting a product from the farm to the market, it's not a surprise that there's a lot of inefficiencies throughout that system. And so when we've engaged our membership on it and other organizations, I think what we generally see is a really positive reaction of especially when you use numbers like what Martin's work has, has pointed out, is there's immense opportunity here. Farm profitability is always top of mind for our members, and I think when you look at an issue like food waste, waste is waste. It's an inefficiency in the system. And one of the things that I think we really look at is not only uh, what can be done within a given industry like 
fresh produce, but what are some of the systemic issues that span across multiple different commodities that we can tackle from a higher level? And I think one of the areas that the CFA has really been focused on is discussing this notion of a national food policy. And from our perspective, there's a lot of efficiencies an individual commodity and individual business can uh, target and look to address, but there's some system, systemic systems level issues that come from the fact that most farmers, their focus for the longest time has been maximize production, provide food as affordably as possible. And I think uh, there are inefficiencies in the system that arise from that sort of mentality when you're looking at consumers who are very focused on price. They want savings wherever possible, which means bulk products often at the retail level. And uh, I think there's a lot of really complex issues in this that need uh, attention and would benefit from a more systems level discussion on top of all the work that we see coming out of things like Martin's work where individual businesses can quickly identify efficiencies and opportunities. Um, from an EarthFresh standpoint, we, we focus our efforts in a collaborative manner with our growers at the beginning of every season. Um, what we want to do is we want to sell what we produce. We don't want our growers overproducing. We don't want to have you know, a lot of product and then have nowhere to go with it. Um, it also takes one step back, being vertic vertically integrated. We also work with uh, our own seed varieties. So we have seed varieties that we'll produce at different levels to produce you know, what the growers can, sorry, what the growers can, can produce. So the, the goal is um, good planning at the beginning, you know, a vision or a strategy for sale of the crop, and to ensure that we don't overproduce and just you know, spend countless dollars on you know, waste. Great, thanks guys. Uh, this one's specific for Martin. Uh, Value Chain Management International has worked with various organizations to develop tools to address food loss and waste, and currently is developing an online tool to assist the industry in identifying and addressing inefficiencies in their business that undermine financial performance and create food loss and waste. Can you tell us a bit about that and some of the core components on the tools touching on the following. How do I know that my business could benefit from reduced food loss and waste and associated waste? How long does a typical project take? How would I go about identifying the extent of the business opportunities? And what is a typical project return on investment? So, from the outset, I should say, my hat goes off to CPMA to re recognizing the opportunity of doing this world first. No one has taken this type of material which we use and, and put it online so that businesses will be able to embed it into their operations. It won't be a standalone tool. It's going to be actually it's enable individual businesses, your business, to actually embed a continual improvement program into their operations. So in terms of, so how do you recognize it? How do you recognize the opportunity? Well, most enterprises have, op have processes that can be improved. Um, it's a case of, do you have recurring challenges? Whether they be quality, whether it be customer complaints, whether it be packaging, pack packs breaking, blown, blown packages. Is it late deliveries? Do you have recurring problems that, that can be fixed, but you don't, the, the solutions aren't, maybe aren't obvious? And then it's a case of, okay, well, how, what, once you've, um, how long does the project take? Um, we say allow four to six weeks for a typical project from start to finish um, to get in measurable improvements. But it can literally be in a couple of days. Um, we, we have companies, businesses, 
we talk to, they've invested enormous amounts of money in technology. No, get the processes right before you invest in technology, because if you don't invest in technology first, all you're going to do is make a complicated issue even more complicated. Uh, how would you go about identifying it? Well, the tool that you take you is a 14-step tool, which sounds, might sound a little bit onerous, but all the tools are easy to, easy to digest, easy to navigate. Some of them are very quick, or most of them are, are, are quick uh, and concise, but it's identifying bite-sized chunks. What is your issue? Don't try and boil the ocean. Slim, make an issue, identify an easily communicated issue, scope of issue, in the terms of a project charter. What it, and make, achieve, identify measurable outcomes that you're going to use to monitor improvement over time. And then, what's a typical uh, project R&I? Well, Dan will tell you about uh, Earthfresh. Um, another project we did as part of the, the, the initially o, the OPMA work, uh, a distributor. $1.2 million just in their produce operations. It took around about $12,000 to identify and start grabbing that. So $12,000 investment, $1.2 million return. I haven't worked out the percentage, but it's pretty high. <laughs> I'm in. Um, this one's for Dan. Uh, Earthfresh was one of the companies that worked with the value chain management international when they first developed the paper-based tool with OPMA. And Earthfresh documented impressive improvements as a result of that work. Could you give us an overview of the experience and what it has meant to Earthfresh in terms of Martin's comments on the return on investment for Earthfresh? Sure. So a um, little bit before my time with Earthfresh, but uh, Martin has educated me very well on what, what we've done. So we, we took a look at our operation. We're a, a potato you know, packer shipper. So we have you know, multiple inputs, we have multiple lines, we have multiple areas where you know, a round product can fall on the floor, it can fall off the line, can get damaged. So um, Martin's, step, Martin's process took us right from the beginning and we took each piece step by step by step from our lines. We then took it from our lines through our packaging, we then took it through our distribution chain and we followed the process all the way along. We had already made the investment in our facility, so our money was already in. But what we realized, we realized about a 24% improvement in productivity with our people. We just kind of made, you know, we brought the product to them. We made sure they're in the right spots. We looked for pinch points. But the big number is we had a 73% increase in gross profit per load. So the way the math kind of works is for every truckload of potatoes, it was, it was about a $17,000 improvement back to our growers for our packout. So it wasn't just Earthfresh, but it was actually getting back to the growers. So they were the ones that were, were the benefactors of, of the, the, the model. Um, you know, it, we, you have to take it as a, as a, you have to embrace it. It has to become part of your culture. Yeah, always have to be looking for that continuous improvement. And with Martin's model, um, you know, we're able, to, we're able to take it in small steps, different areas, whether it be our, our production facility, our shipping facilities, and you know, realize some true savings. So well completed. Great, great, thanks, Dan. This one's for Scott. Um, the Canadian Federation of Agriculture is addressing food loss and waste for the agri-food sector. Could you explain what that involves and what drove the decision for the Canadian Federation of Agriculture to become involved in food waste? 
Perhaps as part of that, you can speak to the goal of reducing spoilage and waste across the food chain by 10% as captured in the national food strategy. And what is anticipated in the, the food policy for Canada? Sure. I, I think more than anything, what drove us to get involved in this is exactly what Dan just referenced. You look at the numbers, the improvements and efficiencies and the bottom line ramifications for profitability that this issue has. Uh, it doesn't take much to understand why our members would be pretty interested in this topic. I think it's more than that, though. There's also, I mean, we're an industry facing immense social pressure around environmental impacts. And this is, this is a win-win story for industry. And I think it's something where we uh, want to look to organizations like CPMA and others that are adopting tools and taking on really concrete steps in this area and trying to engage the rest of the sector in uh, seeing what's working, looking at what it means for their sector. Because one of the really important distinctions and nuances I think that, that we need to do a better job uh, telling our story about is that the difference between avoidable and unavoidable food waste. There's things that can be done to improve those, uh, certain elements of it, but then we're also a sector that faces really unique risks like weather, pests. Uh, and when we're looking at a lot of the dialogues around things like crop protection products, access to labor, um, there's important reasons why we need the tools we have available, be it the temporary foreign worker program to have access to international labor, access to certain crop protection products that have a real ramifications for uh, the level of waste and spoilage that occurs. And so from our perspective, there's an opportunity here to engage the sector, to engage Canadians and to engage policymakers on why we need certain tools in the toolbox, the flexibility to address these things. And when we look at a national food policy, I think from our perspective, it's a great opportunity to engage stakeholders outside of the agri-food sector to, to have that discussion, to talk about the nuances and why certain waste occurs, why some of it is related to you know, risks that we face and risk management activities, and where there are opportunities to address some of these. So that we're, when we're looking at things like the uh, discussions around neonicotinoids and the temporary foreign worker program, the implications for food waste and for uh, broader societal interests need to be part of that discussion. And so it's not a simple issue to tackle. It's a really complex uh, topic. And a food policy and this goal of 10% uh, reduction in food spoilage and waste is an opportunity to span the, like build bridges effectively and have conversations with some of those that might be asking for changes in other aspects of the industry without fully understanding the consequences of what those mean for us. So from our perspective, there's a, a food literacy angle about building education and awareness around our sector, but also a, a really important dialogue to have with policymakers about why we need the tools we have available to us and, and what needs to change in terms of policy to see that waste reduced and not create new inefficiencies in the system uh, through those sort of subsequent changes. Great, thanks, Gun. Uh, this one's for the whole panel. Um, with retail and food service coming under increased scrutiny about food waste, including exposed type reporting, like what we are seeing on shows such as CBC Marketplace, we know that food waste is embedded in company strategies. With that, what, is it, what, what has that meant for the industry? Is this putting more pressure on industry? And if so, how is that impacting the grower-supplier side of the business? Maybe start with uh, Dan. Um, sure. You know, as far as the, the food waste goes for industry, we, there's so many parts of the supply chain that we have to be aware of um, that will impact food waste. So whether it be on the planting side, 
the, the packing side, the packaging, or the shipping side, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shared cost. So if we don't work together as an as a, as a industry and organization, all the parts in between, we'll continue to rise consumer, raise consumer costs. Um, it can't be done by one, one spoke. It's got to be the entire wheel. So um, I think it's important that we're aware of every step we need to take and the measurements we need to have and the, the upfront investment that you make will return back in the, in the, in the backside. And Martin, I mean, you've proven it with us. So you invest at the beginning to make sure you're, all the pieces are proper and there's, there's a, you do it right, do the right thing and uh, we'll be in good shape. Great, thanks. Uh, Martin? Uh, it's certainly putting greater, uh, greater lens, a closer lens on the industry, whether it be a consumer, government, etc. I think one of the keys is not to react to that pressure in an unplanned way, actually show that you're doing something, um, but think it out as a strategy. Um, I think also what is that, that, that the increasing eye exam, examination that uh, stakeholders are having on the industry is going to, is going to actually create, <clears throat> create an environment where companies such as Earthfresh, who differentiate themselves through collaboration, are going to increasingly come to the fore. Um, because there's things you can do by collaborating with your suppliers and customers that you will never be able to achieve as, an, as a business operating independently. And as you achieve those, those successes, as you address the root causes of inefficiency per se, you will naturally reduce loss and waste. Because it's an outcome. It's the causes you need to address. I think Dan and Martin have covered the bulk of it. I mean, from our perspective, transparency is the new norm in our industry. It's an expectation. I think the, the big risk for, that I see from a grower supplier side is making sure this isn't treated as a marketing campaign. I think Dan mentioned the term continuous improvement earlier. And this is an opportunity from our perspective to grasp that transparency, uh, engage in dialogue, show what you're doing. And if you are uh, embedding practices that have waste and spoilage, uh, better have a good reason to explain why that's occurring. Uh, and if not, I think it's an opportunity to, to demonstrate progress forward. So it is a pressure, but it's a pressure that's not going away. And it's, it's the reality we face across uh, a number of different areas. And food waste is, I think, an area, like I said before, where there's an opportunity for a win-win here. And I think it's something that industry can easily stand up and say, this is why this is occurring. Here's what we're doing to fix where we can. And here are some areas that, you know, uh, we need to look at a little closer systemically and see what can be done. So uh, to my mind, this is just part of the new norm for agriculture and the agri-food industry. Great, thanks, Scott. I think we've got time for one more, Jane. Awesome. And then we'll have time for some questions from the floor. Uh, are there pitfalls that industry has to watch out for in the food waste arena? And if so, what can you do to mitigate any impact from them? Martin? Uh, well, as mentioned, don't, don't, don't be, believe you're being forced into a situation where you have to blindly act. Put thought into it. Determine, begin by looking at, okay, what are these issues, these potential, these recurring issues that I have as a business? Look at loss and waste as an outcome. Look at how you, that means you can improve and use the CPMA tool that's going to be available within the next couple of months. Uh, it's the only sector in Canada that's, looking, that's, that's undertaking a project like this. It's the only sector, I think you're the only organization in the world that's going to have a tool like this. 
So <laughs> cele celebrate that and use that as part of the marketing campaign. Because at the end of the day, it's all about dollars and cents. It's, we didn't come to the topic of food loss and waste. Uh, for us, it was a natural progression. We, came to, we didn't come to it for any other reason other than it's about the money. I think to my mind, I've mentioned it already, so I won't belabor the point, but the biggest pitfall here is, is people shying away from the issue and, and treating it like an issues management exercise. It, you can have a marketing campaign around this, but it, it's got to be predicated on actual demonstrable improvement and efforts to address the issue. I think if it's uh, used as an opportunity to just try to shy away from it and avoid tackling it head on, uh, there's going to be pitfalls down the road. So to my mind, it's about honestly engaging on the subject and demonstrating why you have waste in your system and what is uh, being done about it. And I think tools like what the CPMA has put in place are a prime example of how the approach needs to be or how this issue needs to be tackled head on. Um, I don't think the, uh, if you start to do a practice to mitigate food waste and you know, you engage in your, in your operation to change the way you do things and you get good results, don't stop. That's for the biggest thing. You need to sustain it. You need to find it. You need to figure out what you're doing and then don't stop. It has to be, it has to grow into the culture of your business and it starts right from the top. You know, if your company is looking to be sustainable and, and, and eliminate food waste and you create a practices, continue with them. And it doesn't matter if you, the next season starts and you go, oh, well, it's a new season. I'm going to do something different. That's where you're going to fail. And that's where we'll continue to see loss and, and lost monies. Can I just yep. mention? Go ahead. It's, so, just give an example of the scale of the opportunities and the reason that loss and waste is such a big issue. Colleagues of ours work for a with a company in Australia. In a three year period, this is a farmer owned property. Within three years, they took them from losing $20 million a year to making $30 million a year. That's a $50 million trans translation, transition. And the reason it was losing so much money is they'd never identified the root causes. The root causes were causing them to invest enormous amounts in packaging. It was causing them to invest enormous amount in non-necessary agreements, labor, transportation, and they'd never ever addressed the root causes. Addressed the root causes, and as Dan said, continual improvement, they'd never looked back. In fact, within a couple of years of improving themselves, they were purchased by an international conglomerate, because they were that good. Great, thanks guys. Um, would we have any questions at all from the floor? We got a little bit of time. Jane's got a microphone there. Hey guys, my name is uh, Kevin. I'm with uh, AgriFresh and we're in uh, transportation out of Manitoba. So sometimes on the uh, truck side, you know, from, uh, rejections and different things we see food waste uh happen at the uh, tail end and i was just wondering uh, sometimes uh how much of a barrier do you see that uh liability and branding sometimes contribute to food waste because we've seen sometimes stuff labeled improperly and then we're directed it needs to be disposed it can't go to a food bank it can't you know a brand is on it there's a label on it it's perfect but it's got to go and so I'm just kind of wondering how, how much of an impact that has. I feel your pain too. <laughs> we're, we're peat shippers and I, it's a, like you say, I think it's an education process on 
on the whole value chain. And, and that retail, it, it is a problem. There's no doubt about it. And that, those are things that need to be addressed because they do cause food waste. I think if it's on a branding side of things, there, if it's a controlled brand, there has to be an avenue to use the product. And I think it's going back to the, the person that manufactured the product and say, you know, what's the protocol if this has happened? I know within our organization, if there's a rejection or, um, you know, our, our purchasing groups here. So if something's brought in and let's say it's frozen or there's issues with it, we'll still run the product and we'll return as much as we can back to the grower to make sure that there's, there's not a total loss. Um, if it's a if it's a full frozen and it's a, a branding issue, we will repack it in a different brand or or do what we'll do what we can to mitigate any losses all the way through the system. Any other? Do you keep a track of when it happens? Do you keep a track of the causes? What's do do you do you track them? Do you monitor when it occurs? What's the cause? And then drill that down to what? Why did it occur? Why did it occur? You know, on our side where we're responsible for uh, temperature control, you know, a lot of with our customers, we run uh, scorecards to uh, track our uh, on temperature performance. So ultimately, if it ever is something on the carrier issue, then uh, absolutely 100% uh, we're on it. When it shifts over to that it was a vendor issue, at that point, it kind of leaves our site and uh, tracking. Yeah. Any other, any other questions? Can I ask one Jane? real quick one? Yeah. So the question I have is just, are you, so I guess it's more for Dan and, and Mike, but are you having your buyers talk to you about food waste or is it, is it kind of a, a more siloed at this point in terms of being within an operation? Are you, are you feeling any or hearing anything from your buyers? I know on our side, cause I'm looking at them. Um, <laughs> 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 Let's talk. <laughs> I know on, a, on our side, um, because of our, you know, our, within our company, our commitment to sustainability, our commitment to, to um, you know, health, our commitment to, to the industry. Anytime we can mitigate any of that, we're going to. And you know, the investment that's been made at, uh, with what we do from a from our facility, our consultants, and and in our in our people, it's a very hot topic for us. We don't like to throw out anything. You know, we've got some of our growers are sitting over here and we don't want to we want to make sure we get them everything we can for their product. You know, they put it in the ground 90 days later, we're trying to market it for them. And, you know, we need to do everything we can. So this group does. a, I will say it's a it's a daily conversation on what we're what we're getting back to the grower. And, can I and, just, and what about people that are buying your products? What, what about from retail hosts? That, like, are they asking you guys about this? Yeah. From a food waste standpoint, with our light blocking technology, we have seen improvements. We do measure it within the retail to see if there's a shrink reduction or an improvement in shrink. So not, we can't use anybody's names or share their exact numbers, but we're, we're seeing, you know, on average, you know, 1.78 to 2.5% reduction in food waste due to light blocking technology, just what we're not throwing it off the shelves. From our point, all retailers, it's on hot topic. They're definitely getting, they're, they're all talking about it. And because they're the ones on the hot seat. I mean, they're the, they're on there more than anybody. It's, it's the retailers, stuff that's thrown out the back door, the, the code date wasn't filled, but the food was still good. So definitely they are addressing it. 
if you improve your process, you are automatically going to reduce weight. Because the, the, the work we did with Vineland Growers, which, um, which was back in, what, late 2008, 2009, something like that? It, My memory's not that good, but it was a while ago. So it was not I'm that. Old. So the, the project, we never mentioned loss and waste in that project or never mentioned it in conversations. So by improving processes, not only did we reduce Vineland Growers' costs, their growers also made more money. And one of the growers involved said, I've got a holiday out of this year. The extra revenue I have has made, to, has, has, has got, made me more than enough money to pay to give me and my wife a terrific holiday. Uh, any other questions? Are we... Yeah, we ran over a little bit, but... Well, thanks everybody for coming and if, if there's any questions, the panel's around and away we go. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. A big thank you to Mike, Martin, Scott, and Dan for participating in this Learning Lounge. And thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for another upcoming talk between myself and Martin as CPMA releases our Food Loss and Waste online tool. Until next time, fill half your plate with fruits and veggies, continue to seek out new knowledge, and basically never stop growing. <laughs>